zone, no lie. And we like to play till the sun go down. Yeah, we like to play till the sun go down. Then we take that town, then we take that town. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of the Eat Sleep Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Fantrax. Uh, we've got a three-man crew tonight. We're going to be talking AFC East. We've also got a very cool interview with Russell Baxter, so stay tuned for that later in the episode. But for right now, I want to introduce the other hosts with me tonight. First of all, I want to introduce Dale. How you doing tonight, Dale? doing awesome how about you man i'm doing okay uh also with us tonight is intern richard how you doing rich are you talking shut up richard hey how's it going everybody i'm great and um all right cool i'm christian brito my name is jeff didn't say my name earlier uh you can find me on twitter at c brito fantasy um you can find richard at Richard underscore fantasy or no, Dale. No, 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 Incorrect. No. <laughs> My name is Rich. Intern Rich. And that's Rich underscore fantasy. That was really confusing. Oh. <laughs> so look, just follow just us don't, at don't follow Eat him. Sleep FF. No, if Eat you're, Sleep FF. If you're following Richard, go ahead and head over to Twitter, unfollow him, and follow, you know, the Eat Sleep Fantasy Twitter handle at Eat Sleep FF. I'm yeah, all right not all having on any followers. All Give them all to, to East Sleep FF. Also, yeah, uh, if by any chance you've gotten a random message from... <laughs> oh, Jesus. From our Twitter, uh, uh, that was my fault. I apologize. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, Christian fucked up. Why don't you tell us how uh, how bad you screwed I up I told there, you, Christian. you don't need to put your Twitter handle in the Pornhub when you're watching videos. Right, so... <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> be very careful when you're online. If something says to give uh, app permission, don't do that. I gave an <laughs> I gave an app permission to access Twitter, and it decided to message like 800 people in a span of three minutes. And Dale texted me like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah, seriously. I looked at the I looked at the phone. I was like, "Hey, cool. We have a couple of messages. This is exciting." And uh, I looked back, and <laughs> our inbox was filled with stupid spam. Spammed everybody that we're following. Um, yeah, pretty embarrassing. And then we got a message from one guy. He's like, cool, I'll check it out. And then <laughs> we let him know the, the, it was spam. And he's like, oh, no, why do I stop it? <laughs> the, 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 worst, the worst part about it was that we were getting messages like spam back at us from like other people, like other bots that were following us uh, saying, check this website out. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a nightmare. So be very We spent about two hours cleaning it up and trying to respond to as much of you as possible. Uh, if we didn't, now you know. Not Don't click on that link. The internet's a scary place, guys. Be very and careful. if you did, your computer's probably all screwed up by now. Yeah. All right. Sorry. So, I did want to mention a couple things before we get into our divisional previews. Um, that's if you are interested in joining us in a listener league, please head on over to our website, eatsleepfantasy.com. Click on the more. You'll see a part that says submit a question on there. There's parts for you to enter the listener league. And also, if you have any questions, you can go ahead and submit them there. Um, any, yeah, we, any part you want to guys yeah, want to add? No, yeah, I mean, we've had, uh, I don't know, maybe about 60 or 70 people entered already. Um, so we're, I think we're going to just try to fill out maybe one or two leagues and try to divide it up among us four. But uh, we're still working on the details for anybody asking. Uh, but we're definitely going to have uh, a fun time this year with our listener league. So if you haven't done so already, 
either email us eatsleepfantasy at gmail or just go to our website, submit a question, then you can fill out the form for the Listener League. Please yeah, try to I, make I, those... Oh, go ahead. <clears throat> I really want to be in the league with, with Dale. Whichever league you're in, Dale, let me know. It's the league that I want to be in because if history tells us anything, you have no chance of winning anyway. No, if history tells you anything, it's saying that I'm due. This year is my year. That's not uh, how it works. You, yeah. you got to look at yeah. trends um, that are positive and that, and, you know, continuing trends... Just saying that something's going to be bucket trend this year without any evidence for it. You know, Dale, I don't see it happening. Not going to win this uh, year. I quit. That sounds more likely. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and talk a couple of little brief news and notes. News and notes. All right, so the first thing we want to mention is obviously the four-game suspension that running back Le'Veon Bell is facing, if you guys haven't heard about this. Um, He didn't necessarily fail a drug test. He just didn't show up to a couple of them is what's being reported. So he's facing a four-game suspension. We have yet to see whether or not he's going to appeal. How do you guys think that's going to affect his season, basically? Oh, it's going to kill it. Um I think I mentioned it a couple uh, couple weeks ago in one of the podcasts, maybe not, but the top 14 last year, the top 14 running backs last year, uh, nobody missed more than three games. So there is not a chance, historically speaking, there's not a chance that Le'Veon Bell is going to be in the top 14 um, of running backs in, in total points. So if you're thinking he could still be a top five running back, um, you maybe temper your expectations a little bit. Probably not, but I do want to take note that also you have to consider – Le'Veon Bell plus a replacement. So it's not solely just him, but whatever other running back on your bench that you're going to be able to plug in in that spot for those weeks that he is going to be missing. Maybe you draft D'Angelo Williams a couple rounds sooner than you wanted to and you plug him in, and then you also have him for the rest of the season should anything happen to Bell. Probably a pretty good scenario if you take that one-two punch and you get Bell at a discount. Look, I'm, I'm thinking this year... It's going to be a little different. They know what D'Angelo Williams can do. As long as he hasn't taken a huge step back from just a couple months ago, um, I wouldn't expect uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if Williams is a little more involved this year and it actually cuts into Le'Veon's play a little bit, even when he comes back. Um, D'Angelo Williams has a good shot. You know, they start off the first four games. Uh, if, he's, if he gets hot and stays hot, um, there's a chance that, you know, it's not going to be the Le'Veon Bell show um, week five on. So – yeah, as far as Le'Veon Bell goes, I mean, he had about 15 points per game last season when he did play. Averaging that out to a 12-game span, he would have had about 180 points, which would put him around the fifth or sixth running back if you're comparing him to the productivity of 2015. But you can't really do that because 2015 was an uncharacteristically low year for running backs. If you look back at 2014, 180 points over the, over the span of the season, he would have finished somewhere around the 10 or 11 range. I have him still as a very low-end RB1, like around that 11 or 12 range, possibly even a high-end RB2, which would be the 13 or 14 range. If you're going to draft Le'Veon Bell, you're going to have to draft D'Angelo Williams as well. So right there, you're spending two of your first possibly six or seven picks just on that one position. Yeah, there's going to be people in your league that are going to draft Le'Veon Bell really early. You let them take him. There's going to be people that draft D'Angelo Williams really early. Let it take him. Um, unless they fall to you late. I mean, I dropped Bell lowest among all of us. I dropped him down to the number 16th running back, which I know is not a popular opinion here. Um, but I'm, I'm staying away from him. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the other side. Before this happened, I was actually the lowest on Bell. 
because of injury concerns. I just wanted to see what would happen, whether or not he was going to be on the pup once training camp came. If you give Le'Veon, but I actually kind of like how this might shape up. Shape up. You're going to get him at a discount from the price if he ends up being suspended. Um, so I'm a little bit on the other end, guys. I'm gonna he's gonna end up being my ninth or tenth running back off the board because when you factor in a replacement running back for those four weeks, and then you get Lev Bell back, who will be probably about a top four back points per game wise once he does come back. I don't see D'Angelo Williams cutting into his work. That's not the type of offense that Todd Haley has been running traditionally in Pittsburgh. So I do see once he comes back. He's going to be a lock to be a top five running back. So I'm willing to take a gamble on those first four weeks. I plug a guy in, see what happens. And then once he comes back, I have a great, you know, top five running back. So at a slight discount. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, so th- this discount word, you're going to hear a lot about getting Le'Veon Bell at a discount. And this is probably going to be a stupid analogy. But yeah, if you go to the grocery store and you get a dozen eggs and half of them are rotten, and you get it for a discount. You said, hey, I got it for a discount, but you still got six bad eggs. You better take um, that damn pack of eggs back. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's at a discount, but it's at a discount for a reason. It's not like you're getting, you know, grade A hormone-free eggs uh, for a discount. You're getting a bunch of rotten ones, too. Um, that's what I feel about I, that. I, He's just a rotten egg. I've, I'm going to continue to disagree, and I'm going to do it one more time. So, let's say you get a guy like Melvin Gordon as your third running back or your bench running back. And he's actually decent to start the season. You can plug him in for those few weeks. He'll get you maybe top 20, top 30 running back production. You plug him in until Bell comes back. You don't necessarily have to take D'Angelo Williams. And you, once Bell comes back, you have a baller-ass running back. So if I can get him at the 10th running back, it gives him a whole nother month to make sure that he's got stability in that knee. He's ready to, for the start of the season. I kind of like it. For a guy that was low on Bell previously, um, you know, give me him at the 10th overall running back. I'll take it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we differ a little bit on that, but... Um, well, we spent a uh, lot of time on that. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> All right, so... Cool. It, it's, it's a hot topic. Yeah. I'll, you know, that's Dale's favorite store, by the way. One, one quick thing, by the way. The posters are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, you go there for the t-shirts. Let's be serious. <laughs> extra medium (laughs) alright the other piece of news that we did want to go ahead and touch on was the fact that JJ Watt is going to need back surgery which is going to keep him out for about 6 to 10 weeks most reports are coming in at about the 8 week range not a a lot of us do the IDP leagues I personally have never done one but if you are in an IDP league and you know JJ Watt is somebody that you were looking at uh, definitely have to factor that in yeah, I mean, it, right now the timetable is somewhere between week two and week four of the regular season, so it's definitely something to, to keep an eye out to. All right, so with that, let's go ahead and get into our divisional previews. Divisional previews. All right, so the AFC East division is what we have on tap for today. We'll start off with the New England Patriots. They finished as number one in the division, 12-4 record. At quarterback, Tom Brady, he did finish as number three quarterback last year. Uh, but he's going to be missing for the first four weeks. He is coming in with a projection of finishing as the number 11 quarterback with an ADP of 86. Now, personally, I would rather target other quarterbacks because he is going to be missing for those first four weeks. I'm not a fan of drafting more than one quarterback. But if you are planning on getting Tom Brady, I mean, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. When he's on the field, he is a must start. He averaged somewhere around 22.6 points per game last year. Uh, which is his highest total in four years. So he's still fresh. Yeah, he is 39 years old, 
but he proved last year that he's still one of the best. Yeah, I mean, just even if he doesn't play, well, he won't play the first four games, but last year he had over 25 points per game. If he's even anywhere near that 25 points per game, that's going to easily put him, you know, in the top five among quarterbacks this year. Um, so when you have him, he's going to be, he'll be producing. Yeah, from week five on, once you do have him, like Dale said, he's going to be a top six quarterback. Ultimately, he's going to finish outside of the top 10 because the quarterback position is just so full of talent. Um, but when you do have him, he is going to give you that top six performance. A few players that if, if you do end up drafting Tom Brady, a few players that you can go ahead and pick up and stream, you don't necessarily have to draft them. Some quarterbacks in some of the mocks that I've been doing that are going undrafted include Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Tyrod Taylor. You can easily plug in any of those quarterbacks for the first four weeks based on matchups, and you'll still be able to perform and get the points that you need at the position. You picked like yeah. the best three possible examples of the guys that have a good start to the season. Um, they have high upside. We've seen them do it before. And honestly, even if they're not elite, they'll be okay enough to carry you for those four weeks if you do decide to draft Brady. Yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan, you mentioned, he has an awesome schedule to start. I think that is the perfect, uh, I guess I guess you could call it handcuff, right? Uh, handcuff to Tom Brady no, uh, to start the I season. I wouldn't call it a handcuff. What would you call it? What what is that? There's a term for it, isn't there? Okay. Yeah, I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) But but like I said, you you don't even have to draft a replacement quarterback for Tom Brady because you can pick one off of waivers as soon as your draft is over. Right. So you're suggesting go ahead and draft draft Tom Brady, uh, have somebody else on your roster. Then when it comes down to uh, week one, you can drop and pick up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why waste a pick on a second quarterback when you can fill it with another running back or another wide receiver and then make your decision as you get closer to the start of the season? Make sure you can do that, by the way, because I've seen a few leagues where you cannot make ad drops uh, until after the first game of the season or after the first week of the season. So make sure that you you, you know your league rules and you can do ad drops before the first start of the season. Um, If you can't, then you can just go ahead and grab one of these quarterbacks as the last pick of your draft. Yeah, actually, yeah, I'm in a couple of leagues now that uh, that don't allow any ad drops before week one, so that's a good point. Yeah. Yep. Next up, we have the running back position. We have Dion Lewis, who he's coming off of an ACL tear. He only played in seven games last year. He didn't get a lot of work as far as rushing, but he did have a lot of value when it came to the to the to the receiving game. He had uh, 49 rushes last year, 36 catches, uh, but he did have over 600 total yards and four touchdowns. So he's projected right now as the number 23 running back. He's coming off the board at number 57 overall. He only averaged seven rushes per game last year, but he did average about 33 rushing yards per game. And when he was catching the ball, he was catching over five passes per game for over 55 yards receiving. So he was averaging almost 90 yards a game. And like I said, he had the four touchdowns when he was. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to mention the points per game, uh, you know, 12 points per game, yep. the games that he did play, all seven. So that's top 12 right there. Yeah, it was actually 11th best. He was on pace for over 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns, which would have put him somewhere around ending at the as the running back number four. And that's with a full body of work. Yep. Now, now he's on pace right now to be healthy for the first week of the season. If he stays, if he plays to the scale that he was playing at last year, he'll certainly end up the year as a high-end running back two possibly even a low-end running back one. I I love Deion Lewis this year. Um, for me, where I can get him at the draft, where he will be probably your third running back uh, or your flex, 
give me Dion Lewis in that All spot. Day. I love it because you get the security of the pass catching. If you're in a PPR league, he'll probably be pushed up uh, quite a bit more, but I still love him there as an RB2. Uh, give me Deion Lewis. He'll be consistent. Tom Brady's average depth of target has dipped every year for the past three years. He's targeted the running back uh, more every single year. Give me Deion Lewis. He'll be consistent this year as long as he can stay healthy. The other running back is LeGarrette Blunt, who did fill in most of the season after Deion Lewis's injury. He had over 700 yards rushing and seven total touchdowns. Right now, he's projected to end the year as the 39th running back, and he's coming off the board as the 42nd running back, number 115 overall. I mean, he's an okay running back. He has some value in the later rounds. He's somebody that I wouldn't mind having on my bench, but he's not somebody that, I, that I'm looking to start either. Yeah, I don't I don't really want... I don't want Blunt for some reason. I just... Uh, I wouldn't waste the pick on him. There's a lot of guys no. going in that area I'd rather have. I agree. I'm, I'm with you on that. All right, next up then we have Julian Edelman at wide receiver. He did finish last year with 61 catches and close to 700 yards and seven touchdowns. Now, he didn't play a full season. He only played in nine regular season games before breaking his foot. Uh, he has been spotted wearing a protective boot, but that's more precautionary than anything because he did remember, if you, if you remember, he did come back last year during the playoffs, and you know he had pretty good performances. He had 17 catches for 153 yards. So he showed that the broken foot didn't really affect his ability to still be one of the top wide receivers on you know that, that you can pretty much have. Um, he's going right now as the number nine, the wide receiver 19 off the board, uh, number 40th overall. Some wide receivers being drafted around him are like Macklin, Golden Tate, Randall Cobb. Personally, I take Edelman over any of those three guys. Yeah, um, he's a guy, he's he's interesting for this year because he is coming off that injury. He's been so consistent. Um, it really depends on whether you think he's going to take any sort of impact from the Brady suspension. For me, he's the guy that's going to be most impacted by Brady being gone for the first four games. For me, I'd rather go ahead and take the safety of a couple of the guys being drafted around him, like you mentioned, Tate, Macklin, um, maybe even Landry, who's basically plays a similar role as him, um, you know, probably won't be drafting Edelman for me this year. Okay, I mean, before his injury, though, he was on pace for 114 catches and almost 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns, which all three of those stats are career highs for him, and he would have ended the year at about the at about number seven at wide receiver. Now, this isn't a guy that you're going to be drafting as your number one wide receiver, maybe not even your second wide receiver, depending on how you're drafting. But if you can get him on your team as your third wide receiver, even even with Brady out, he's going to be great value. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Brady. I mean, all these wide receivers, pretty much everybody on the offense, as Brady goes, the rest of the team goes. Um, so they all take a little hit with Tom Brady missing the first four games. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a little lower than most on pretty much the entire New England offense. How many how many catches do you think he'll have this year, Richard? If he plays the full season, I'll I'll put him over a hundred catches. He's only done that once, man. Um, hey, so so that means he can do it twice. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't I don't think he'll get there. Well, that he he got the, he got to over 100 catches in 2013. 2014, he only played 14 games and he had 92 catches. Had he played the full 16 games, he would have been over 100 in that season as well. And he was on pace to do it again last year before getting injured. He's, but he's played a full season s- one time in his career. Let's also remember that. Yeah, that's true. And 
and and don't forget the first four games he's not going to be on pace for under catches so he's going to have definitely some room to catch up for oh, five, week five and on i mean you guys make you guys make good points is something that, that i'll go ahead and i'll think about as i'm ranking him closer to the start of the season but as of right now i still love edelman as my you know as a low-end wide receiver too you know somewhere in that middle range yeah, yeah. he's fine yeah. he's fine there i mean mm-hmm. he's he's perfectly okay if that's the number two wide receiver on your team you're you're gonna be okay yeah I mean, somebody that's that I feel isn't going to be affected by the Tom Brady suspension is, of course, Rob Gronkowski. The guy's an absolute beast. Everybody has him at number one at, at the tight end position. He he has an ADP of ten right now. I've got no problem if you want to draft him in the first round. Just don't reach for him with one of your first three picks, as you can get somebody that's going to give you more value there. But like I said, he, he, Brady's absence I don't feel is going to play any kind of any kind of role in his in, in what his stats are going to be looking like this year. Uh, he's coming off of an NFL record fifth season with double-digit touchdowns for tight ends. The only season that he didn't finish with over 10 touchdowns was when he didn't play the full year when he got injured. Right, and I, I know I just mentioned that I, you know this offense is going to slow down without Brady. I think Gronk is probably the uh, the one guy who is going to be least affected. Um, he's such a big target. Um, he's going to get the ball thrown to him no matter who the quarterback is. Would you Richard, say he's Would you say he's quarterback proof? I would think so. Yeah. Brady helps. Yeah, I mean, let, let's not pretend that Brady doesn't have a big deal with Gronk's success. But uh, yeah, I think it doesn't matter what quarterback it is, he's going to get the ball in his hands. Totally not relevant. But um, when you say that everybody has him ranked at number one as far as tight ends, um, he's not kidding. Every single fantasy analyst that is listed on Fantasy Pros, we're talking about hundreds of analysts. There's not a single one that has him lower than number one. Not a There's single one. Not a single one. <laughs> It was it was not a hyperbolic statement. <laughs> he is nobody has him at anything but number one. Yeah, including us because we are fantasy expert, uh, fantasy pros experts. Uh, we're we're found eat sleep fantasy on fantasy pros. So, right. quick little. By the way, by the way, did I did I say that right? Hyperbolic is it hyperbolic? No, you st- okay. You're right. You're okay. Hyperbole. You're that, right. That's how you say it. Too big of a word for me. I'm not gonna correct you. <laughs> All right, and then the the other interesting player on the Patriots is Martellus Bennett. He finished last year with 53 catches, 439 yards, and three touchdowns. He's projected as a number 19 tight end. Uh, he's coming off the board as a tight end number 15. He's he's not somebody that I would really be targeting. He's interesting, though, because defenses are naturally going to be drawn to Gronk, so the opportunity is going to be there for Bennett to, to you know have a significant impact on the offense if he proves effective. Yeah. All right, we, and we talked about this a little bit before. Bennett is not going to be the same player that Aaron Hernandez was. Uh, so don't expect an Aaron Hernandez season out of Bennett. A lot of people got excited uh, when he signed with the Patriots, thinking, okay, this is going to be the great one-two punch that they had a couple years ago. It's not going to be the case. Um, round you know, 18-19 is about where it belongs. He's also got some very interesting nicknames. The Big Weirdo, the Black Unicorn, the Orange Dino. Just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> how does somebody get so many nicknames i don't know man they're all self-proclaimed right i don't know nobody's just calling him the, the black unicorn that's a pretty they? awesome nickname just i don't black. think he gave himself that nickname <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're probably one of his girlfriends he prefers to be called marty okay McFly. we'll call him marty what marty mcfly exactly okay we'll cut that out before we get sued no, no, no. That was a that was a pretty pretty dumb joke. We're leaving it in. Yep. 
that's staying in, Richard. You look like an idiot. <laughs> Great. My only contributions have been random ass things so far. <laughs> All right. Well, next up, then we have the Buffalo Bills. What can you tell us about the about the Bills, there, Dale? Why? Uh, I can tell you everything about the Buffalo Bills because, wow. as if you don't know by now, uh, I love Tyrod Taylor. Um, I'll dig into him for a couple minutes. Speaking uh, of nip- speaking of nicknames that you mentioned earlier, what nickname did you have for Tyrod Taylor? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget this. Uh, Tyrod the Toolman Taylor. Ah, it works. Um, hash, hashtag Toolman Taylor. Hashtag Taylor Made. Um, hashtag so fantasy don't forget football. That. Hashtag football life. <laughs> hashtag fantasy. Um, so talk about Tyrod Taylor. Uh, what makes a good quarterback here? Um, is it decision making? Is it leadership? Uh, is it you know mobility? Uh, the metrics compared to others? Consistency? It's all of those. And fantasy Tyrod points. Taylor. It's fantasy points too. All those equal fantasy points, Brito. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, for instance, if we're talking about decision-making, uh, last year he had the least amount of interceptions uh, within quarterbacks, throwing for at least 3,000 yards um, with only six. He was fifth in interception percentage, and uh, which was better than people like Russell Wilson, who you love, Brito, Drew Brees, uh, Dalton, Cam Newton, Carson Palmer. Um, so just throw those names at, you know, out there that he his decision-making – statistically is better than those guys um you want to talk a little bit about his leadership uh you know he wasn't expected last offseason he wasn't expected to get the starting role and start all the games um but the last six games he averaged almost 25 points per game which is enough to be the sixth uh, excuse me the sixth best fantasy quarterback uh just a tenth of a point behind russell wilson um so i really like to see the you know late season runs um, I'd love to look at those numbers and think that that's the best indication of how it's going to carry on over the season. You know, if he starts off hot and ends up cold, uh, you know, we can kind of gauge that for the year after. So the fact that he ended hot, he was clicking with his offense. Sammy Watkins was healthy towards the end of the season, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, that's all positives, and that's all just going to help him, and, and that's what that's why I have him ranked so high. Um, just a couple other things. You know, you talk about consistency. I know some people are like, oh, you know, he was injured. Um, he was injured. It was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, isolated. Um, so he completely healed. It did take him a couple weeks. He had a couple bad games in the season. Uh, but he was 12th in ESPN consistency rankings uh, in quarterbacks ahead of people like, you know, Jameis Winston, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matthew Stafford. So, I mean, the, the metrics are there. Um, I have him ranked number seven among quarterbacks. I know people are probably yelling at their uh, their phones right now or whatever you're listening to. Um, I've I've been hearing it all season since I proclaimed my love for him. Um, so take a good look at him. He's definitely he's not going to be drafted seventh in quarterbacks uh, in your draft. You can wait for him. Wait for quarterback as long as you can. When you see Tyrod Taylor stop start popping up closer and closer uh, on your cheat sheet. Uh, go ahead and grab him. You won't be sorry. Yeah, unless unless you have a lot of a lot of players in your league that 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 read Dale's article on Tyrod Taylor, you can pretty much wait for him. I mean that that article that that you wrote, I it sold me. I moved him up in my rankings. I have him right now number eleven. But like you said, it, it's he's somebody that you can definitely wait on, and mo- in a lot of different drafts too, you can probably get him on the waiver wire after. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he had a couple of bad games. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, in the middle of the season. Uh, Right before the bye, he got injured, and then it took him a couple games after the bye, um, maybe to get fully healed, maybe just got to click with the offense again, or whatever the case was. So people are going to remember that and say, eh, I'm going to stay away from him. Uh, don't let that fool you. He's, he, he finished the year very strong with a healthy Sammy Watkins, 
And uh, I guess that'll bring me to to, to the next topic is hold, exactly hold what, on, what I just on, mentioned. Hold on, hold on. Sure. Did you say sure. sugarcoat? I did say sugarcoat. Yum. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Dale. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I was mentioning Sammy Watkins. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know Number Fire, the, the website. It's a great, a great website with some awesome metrics in it. But according to Number, uh, to number Fire, uh, Watkins turned um, in the 2015 season among the 48 wideouts to see at least 80 targets. Sammy Watkins ranked first in reception net expected points per target. So basically, what they're saying is he got a lot of points for every target that he got. Um, he finished the year, of course, with eighty. Uh, yeah, sorry, sixty catches, uh, hundred over a thousand yards, and nine scores on just ninety-six targets in only thirteen games. Um, again, going back to this points per game thing, um, because he didn't play all sixteen games. If you extrapolate his averages, um, he got about thirteen points per game last year, which is enough to be the seventh best wide receiver in the league. So if he can stay healthy, Tyrod Taylor likes passing to him. Uh, later in the season, Tyrod got a little ma- more accurate, a little more ballsy, uh, throwing it a little deeper to him. Um, <laughs> I think this year the uh, the offense will open up a little bit. They're going to give some more freedom to Tyrod. Um, so I expect big things from both of these guys. I think it's going to be a great one-two punch. If you like to double down on your wide receiver and quarterback, um, it's a great option because you can pick up Sammy Watkins as your number two wide receiver and uh, get Tyrod really late. I think it will be looking really good. If you're not averse to injury risks, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, Sammy Watkins, he had 60 receptions last year, but he did have over 1,000 yards. He had a, a pretty high re- uh, receiving average, about 17.5 yards per catch. Do you see Do you see him getting more receptions and maintaining that kind of re- that kind of yards per catch? Or do you see him somewhere around there? No, I, I expect him to, to keep up with his average. I think the games that he played, I think he played very well. I don't think there were a lot of low – you know, super low and super high games. Of course, you know, every wide receiver has has a bad game. Um, you know, looking at his game long here from last year, um, he had three, four games under 10 points. Um, that's not bad for your wide receiver. Uh, week 2, week 10, uh, and week 16, and week 11, he had under 10 points. All the rest of the, all the, rest of the weeks, he was, you know, above 10 points, 15 to 23 to 24 points. So uh, this is all standard league, by the way. Um, so he's pretty consistent. Um, he won't let you down very often. And with Tyrod Taylor getting better, I have, I have high hopes uh, with him. I mean, last year, like I said, he had nine touchdowns, which if you want to compare him, if you're like, okay, what does nine touchdowns mean? Uh, people like Brandon Cooks, Larry Fitzgerald uh, had nine touchdowns. He had more touchdowns than Julio Jones. Of course, he had a down year as well. But, um, you know, Julio did have the most targets in the NFL. So I mean, if that means anything to you compare those two um which it should uh Sammy Watkins is definitely a value as a wide receiver too yeah he had he had those nine touchdowns but he only had 13 uh targets in the red zone so he he had to create a lot of those touchdowns himself yeah the the thing about Sammy and you can take this as a positive or a negative right he led the league um you know among qualified receivers at least in terms of yards per target 10.7 10.7 so every time he's targeted regardless of you know averaging out whether he caught the ball or not that's 10.7 yards right there highest in the league he's also second as far as yards per catch so he's breaking uh, big plays I don't know how much of that is sustainable along with that 
I, I think he's an otherworldly talent, like top five talent receiver. But for me, if I had to give a lock of a wide receiver that, you know, is on track maybe to play this season, but I don't think will play all 16 games, it's Sammy Watkins. I'm very risk-averse when it comes to my draft, and he's a guy that I had very high early in the preseason. Reports have come come out, obviously, about his foot um, early in the preseason. Now we don't know if he's going to be back at all for any part of training camp, any part of the preseason, um, whether or not he'll be ready to start the season. I'm a little bit more risk-averse when it comes to a guy like Sammy Watkins. I'm not sure he'll be on any of my teams. I feel like I'm uh, super negative today, but... Um, no, I mean, you're, the, the concerns about the injury are valid. Um, I, I guess I'm just optimistic here. You know, I'm, I'm looking at Sammy Watkins' numbers, and I'm kind of looking at my chops. Uh, yeah, if, if he's not fully healthy, uh, you know, throughout a training camp, um, I'll, I might move him down a little bit because missed games are going to hurt. But, man, when he's playing, he's good. Yeah, I would love to see what he can do with a full 16-game season. Yeah. Uh, the, the rest of the wide receivers are really nobody to talk about. Um, you know, Robert Woods is in a contract year. Uh, there's a lot of people, you know, that think the contract year means a little bit better play. Um, by the way, I haven't found good documentation showing that. But regardless, um, you know, we, we have him at, like, over number 200 overall, Robert, Robert Woods, that is. Um, so you draft virtually you're not drafting him this year. Um, he was nursing an injury last year, so we really didn't get to see him. But, hey, if Tyrod Taylor can work some magic, you never know. Um, yeah, some other wide receivers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The Buffalo Bills are pretty much – for me, a lock to be um, top three in terms of uh, rushing attempts and run percentage to passing percentage. Um, they, that's just the offense that, holy fuck, I can't think of his name. What's his name? That's, <clears throat> that's just the offense that Rex Ryan runs. He's going to run, run, run the ball. They're going to be, you know, 31 or 32 in terms of passing number of passing plays. Yeah. Um, Last year, they were the lowest in yeah. run-to-pass ratio. Exactly. Pass to run. Uh, they were the lowest in run-pass ratio. They were the lowest in passing attempts. Um, they're just – that's the type of offense that they're going to run again. Maybe they open it up a little bit more. Maybe they start to trust Taylor because they saw something good. We'll see. Uh, so the Bills actually were, you know, like I mentioned, the lowest pass-to-run ratio in the NFL – um, but they were so heavy run last year that it actually hurt LaShawn McCoy's value. Um, last year, he only had 32 receptions in 12 games um, because they were so run heavy. Um, the, his value in the past have, has come from pass catching, breaking off, you know, big screen plays. Um, so that, that actually hurt his fantasy value a little bit. Um, um, for those of you who had LaShawn McCoy in their keeper leagues, got a break uh, earlier on when it was released that McCoy won't be disciplined after his group of friends got in a scuffle with some off-duty cops uh, back in February. So that's not an issue anymore. LaShawn McCoy won't be facing any any charges or discipline from the league. Um, but the roster is filled with five running backs, uh, including Mike Gillisley, of course, Go Gators. Go Gators. Uh, that's right. Uh, Jonathan Williams, James Wilders, and, of course, the suspended and fat Carlos Williams. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on Carlos Williams, by the way? I am so, even before he got suspended, so low on him. Unbelievably unsustainable touchdown break with the number of touches he actually had. Plus comes into camp 25 pounds overweight. For a guy of his stature, that's a lot of weight to have put on in the offseason. I mean, I know, you know, because we're... Uh, okay. Um, just... <laughs> He's somebody that I was hating before the suspension, moved them down even lower. 
Um, and for me, I, I love LaShawn McCoy this year, probably a lot more than most. He's going to get all the opportunity, and he's going to be in an offense that's going to run the ball a ton. Give me LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. Yeah, and despite missing or despite only playing 12 games last year, he finished last year as the 17th best running back and 11th in points per game. Um, and his consistency score was 13th in the league among running backs. So he's a great, uh, sorry, a great running back, uh, high end number two in my opinion. Um, but now the uh, the question comes up about handcuffing and what do we do with his handcuff? Because he did miss a few games last year with injury. He is getting older. What do we do about handcuffs? Um, right now, uh, the handcuff is Gillisley um, because Carlos Williams won't be playing the first four games. Um, Gillisley, he averaged over five and a half yards per attempt last year and scored three touchdowns. So he's a great fill-in if McCoy misses any time early on. Now the problem is, later in the season, week five, six, seven, if Carlos Williams is in shape, he gets back. Uh, he is the superior back uh, between him and Gillisley. So um, we should be seeing some Carlos Williams time um it's, it's just a mess I don't know how to handcuff it um I'm kind of relying on your opinions to to uh kind of back me up a little bit here because it, it's it's a mess here well Carlos Williams isn't somebody that, that you would want to draft if I see him available week three week four on the waivers and I have an empty spot I'll definitely pick him up because we saw the production that he can have when he is given the ball I mean you mentioned that the unsustainably high touchdown uh to rush ratio the burrito but he still had really good yard performance too he i think he was averaging about 5.6 yards per carry last year yeah it was pretty yeah. nice um before we move on too much i do want to say a couple things about LaShawn mccoy because it's been a couple years since he's been the uber elite back that we knew and saw in philadelphia um people it's not just about the opportunity people i guess are kind of forgetting how unbelievably talented this guy is um, over the last 10 years, there, there's a number I like to use, which is the ridiculous running back number. So a couple of years ago, Le'Veon Bell scored 287 points. The ridiculous running back number I like to use is 280 fantasy points. So when you think about a couple seasons ago, DeMarco Murray scored 300. Le'Veon Bell, uh, the year after that, scored 287. LaShawn McCoy is one of only three running backs, Adrian Peterson, LaDainian Tomlinson, and LaShawn McCoy, that has actually done that twice in the last 10 years. Please keep in mind how ridiculously talented LaShawn McCoy is. If he can stay away from injuries in that offense, I love LaShawn McCoy. I just want to repeat that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I guess we I guess we got to kind of go on a tight ends because we have to talk about at least one tight end per team, right? Um, Charles Clay is going to be a big target for Tyrod Do we uh, have this to? year. Yeah, we don't really don't have to. Um, he's so far. I mean, he's going to be around 21 to 24 rankings in tight ends. Um, he's going to be good for 30, 40 yards per game, sneak in a couple touchdowns, probably end the season with three or four touchdowns. Nothing to uh, nothing to worry yourself about. We can move on. Yeah. He'll, you know, maybe a bye week fill in. I don't see him as anything more than that. Yeah, if he's if they have a great if they have a great game on a week that you need a tight end. Um, and you see Tyrod Taylor clicking with him, why not? But let's let's not uh let's not waste our time. Sorry, Charles Clay. That's fucked up, man. Not waste our time. <laughs> then we have one NFL player listening to our podcast, and I bet you it's Charles Clay, and he just unsubscribed. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Man, I was gonna come on the show, but you guys are jerks. <laughs> he was typing, he was tweeting to us. Dear Eat Sleep Fantasy. And he just deleted it all. And uh, he lost our opportunity. Charles Clay, right. we're sorry. We think you're a talent, but, you know. I mean, hey, he's 
what he's probably the one of the top what thirty tight ends in the on earth. That's that's pretty good, I'd but not good enough probably, for fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's better than Benjamin Watson. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe not for fantasy though. <clears throat> All right, next next up, we'll go ahead and... <laughs> <laughs> that's staying in. Oh God! Holy what crap! Happened? You're a 27 year old man, dude. What happened? I didn't catch it. <laughs> Your voice. Your voice cracked like a little, like a. Did it? Going I didn't even notice it. All right, next. <laughs> I must have been breathing in at the same time, guys. It happens. All right, let's move on. All right, next up, then we have the New York Jets. What can you tell us about them, Brito? Um, well, they're a very interesting team. Um, obviously, let's start with the quarterback position. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is still. You know, this late in the offseason, undergoing contract negotiations, what are you doing, Jets? Just sign Fitzpatrick. It's not that expensive of a deal. Please, if anybody from the Jets is listening, just get it done. You don't want Geno Smith as your quarterback. Uh, All right, so I'm still of the belief that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the starting quarterback for the Jets to start the 2016 season. Uh, He averaged 20 points per game last year. But if nothing changes and Fitzy doesn't sign with uh, with the Jets, it's going to be the Geno Smith show. And Geno Smith is not a good NFL quarterback. Um, I'm not really concerned about his production because maybe, you know, he does run and stuff. If you want to, you're a two quarterback league and you want to, you know, take a a one week on uh, Geno Smith if he starts or whatever, he might actually provide production with his legs. That's not the reason I want to talk about him. If the start of the season comes and it's Geno Smith, don't draft Brandon Marshall in his current value. Don't draft Eric Decker's current value. Um, they're not going to be good. They, they really won't. So that's all I really have to say about that. Fitzpatrick is probably going to start the season. I hope, fingers crossed. I'm not even a Jets fan, but I just don't want to see that team be led by Geno Smith, who I believe is very incompetent as a quarterback. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the wide receivers because that's, that's really wanna, where I want to go as far as this conversation. Brandon Marshall had an amazing 2015 season. 109 catches off of 173 targets, 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, a career year. I'm still of the belief, again, that it will be Fitzpatrick. And if that's the case, even if we factor in some regression for the 32-year-old, his ADP right now is the 10th ranked wide receiver off the board. That's really fair value. Uh, He did have career high numbers last year. I don't necessarily expect that to be repeated this year, right? But I do expect him to continue to receive, you know, a lion's share of the targets to be very consistent. Um, He was one of the most consistent wide receivers last year. um, And that's exactly what I want from that type of player. Um, He's uh, ADP, like I said, 10th overall wide receiver, I mean, 10th wide receiver, 21st overall. If it is Geno Smith, he will fall in drafts. He might still be serviceable, though, right? He will have to see what that will look like in terms of in terms of average draft position and rankings at that point in the season. Um, if it if it did continue to be Geno Smith, he wouldn't necessarily be the one that would take the full uh, hit. It would probably be uh, Decker, which we'll get into in just a second. 
Um, do you guys have anything you want to add about Marshall? Do you think he's going on a fair value, overvalued, undervalued? Yeah, yeah no, I had. Yeah, I had I had Marshall myself at about the wide receiver number eleven, but if it does end up being Geno Smith, I will have to go ahead and reconsider that. I might move you know some players ahead of him like Brandon Cooks, Demarius Thomas. I'll probably do that anyway, but especially if Geno Smith is there. Yeah, yeah no, Fitzpatrick, if Fitzpatrick is there, um, that 10, 11, 12 range for Marshall is great. Um, looking at ADPs, I one hundred percent agree with everywhere he's fallen in a mock with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, without him, no way. He's dropping. Yeah. And it's it's crazy how that's what we're saying about Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's not necessarily that, <laughs> that Fitzpatrick is that great. Um, it's I'm sorry, Geno Smith. You're, you're He's the one NFL player that listens to the podcast. He's gonna <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> you know what? If he unsubscribes, I'm okay with that. That's messed up. See now, Charles Clay I don't actually hate. <laughs> What about what about Eric Decker? Tell us a little bit about him. Um, Decker was the most consistent NFL wide receiver last year. Um, he had 80 catches on 132 targets for 1,027 yards and 12 touchdowns in the 15 games that he played. I got a great stat for you from Decker. He had either a touchdown or 80 yards in every single game that he played last year. So if he played, you never got a crap game from him. Every single week, he was providing some value to your fantasy team. Never a dud. Um, He also, on the other hand, though, never really blew up. So his 12 touchdowns came in 12 games. Never had that two-touchdown game. Never was blowing up for your team. But for where he was last year and where he's being drafted now, he should continue to see, you know, the second most targets on that team. They don't really have any other wide receivers outside of Marshall and Decker. Um, if it's back to being Fitzpatrick again, you should expect similar number of targets, yardage to be about the same, and right around double-digit touchdowns. I mean, he's been double digits three out of the last four years. I understand a couple of those were with Peyton Manning, but he's a guy that <clears throat> he can find the way into the end zone, especially if he's opposite of a big wide receiver and he's in that second wide receiver role. He should continue to be uh, you know, consistent. He's going, however, right now is wide receiver 25, 54th overall. <clears throat> Do you guys think he's okay there? Would you rather take people around him? Yeah, I'm staying away from him. Um, okay. I, I definitely, I'm looking at my rankings now to see who's around him uh, in, in our consensus rankings. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely take people like Doug Baldwin, Michael Floyd, Julian Edelman before Eric Decker. Okay. I mean, those are mostly guys that are going slightly ahead. I mean, would you rather have Decker or Dante Moncrief? Moncrief. Hmm. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Moncrief. As the season gets closer, the the hype around Moncrief is is getting bigger. Um, yeah, I'd say Moncrief. Give me give me Decker in that scenario. Honestly, um, I think he's going to continue to be consistent, and he still has that touchdown upside and, and consistency, um, especially if he's you know. 26 wide receiver, that could be your flex guy. You know, if you get yeah. that sort of consistent production out of your flex every week, I love that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't argue with it. Um, just just my opinion. I would, I would take a chance on Moncrief, but couldn't argue with your evaluation. All right, so yep. moving on to the next guy, and um, we all seem to have differing opinions on this guy, and, and I've talked about him a couple of times before, and that's Matt Forte. 
Uh, in the 13 games that he played, he played last year, he had 218 carries for 898 yards, four touchdowns, so slightly over four yards per carry. He also added 44 catches. That's a big part of his game. Um, 389 yards and three touchdowns in the receiving game. Uh, a couple years ago, he caught over 100 balls. We know that he's extremely effective in that role. But I don't like 30-year-old running backs who are changing teams. They have a terrible track record. He's being drafted as the 14th running back off the board. I don't see him providing good enough value to be worthy of that spot. So he's been one of my favorite guys to draft year after year because of what he can do in the passing game, uh, a very high floor. But it's my opinion that Bilal Powell will seriously cut into that part of his role with the Jets. Um, Speaking of Powell, uh, he was pretty productive with the work that he started to see later in the season last year. Um, The Jets started to get him more involved. He even began to start out-touching Chris Ivory towards the end of the year. Um, In the 11 games that he played, he caught 47 passes. Uh, 388 yards, two touchdowns. Um, <clears throat> he also had over 300 yards rushing. Um, listen, I expect Forte Forte to be serviceable. I don't expect him to be terrible as a running back. He'll be consistent. But to draft him as a 14th running back off the board, over 30, changing teams, new offense, um, I don't love it, especially when they already any- have a pass-catching running back in that role. Do you see any value in the dump-off value if Geno Smith plays? That Forte's value could rise a little bit uh, with some of those dumping-down plays? I, I would see value maybe because they might try to rush the ball more. He's never been, though, however, a high-efficiency you know efficiency guy, hard yards per carry or anything like that. His, his biggest you know advantage is those catches, and I'm not sure he's going to play all the third downs. You get me? Like... That's going, yeah, it's going sense. to be cut into, I think, by Bilal Powell. They like him there. He's not an uber talent. I don't think he's better than Forte, but I think he will cut into his work. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> All right. So, All right. one Move more on. team. Here, let me, let me, yeah, let me, let me just say something about Forte. He is on a Forte is on a downward trend as far as fantasy points per games over the last three years. Currently, I have him as the number seventeen running back. I think that's where he's going to end the year, somewhere around the, the mid to low end RB2. And, you know, if, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Where, let me look up, pull up where I have him. I have him at 20. Um, I don't think he's going to crap your team. I just think he's slightly overdrafted. If you're if you're playing, yeah. If, yeah, if you're playing Matt Forte in your lineup, you can expect about 9 to 12 points per game, which is just fine. That's okay. I would say uh, 8 or 9 points is what you're going to get every week. On a standard league. Right, right. He's not a high touchdown guy either. Um, Not his game. All right, one more team. Who do we got? All right, last but not least is the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Let me play a song. Let me play a song. Here. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking super. I love that song. That's a great song. Brings you back to my childhood. I hate that uh, song. Anyways, you hate that song? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so, like, not true. <laughs> Miami we are not has the greatest football team. A crappy football team. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, let's, uh, maybe there's a little bit of optimism here. Uh, with Ryan. T- let's start off with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, of course. Wait, that's uh, where your optimism year. is in Tannehill? Of course. Oh, God. Let, let, yeah, yeah. Listen to my deep analysis here. Fine. Go. Uh, last, would you Would I, you spend money on a Ryan Tannehill jersey? I, I already did. Ryan I do have a jersey. Oh, God. So you wasted money. <laughs> Actually, no. My mom bought it for me, and <laughs> I wear it on Sunday sometimes. I, I probably wouldn't have spent my own money on it. But um, so Brian Tannehill finished 15th last year in fantasy points and actually 24th in points per game among quarterbacks. Um, he had four zero touchdown passing games last year um, that really hurt anybody that owned him. Definitely valuable in a two quarterback league, but uh, those zero touchdown passing games were just a huge letdown for fantasy owners and fans alike. Uh, with a 62% completion rate last year and 4,200 yards. He had 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Um, I expect the yardage to go up a little bit there, uh, around maybe 4,400 yards. Uh, of course, get a couple more touchdowns. I see him getting a couple more touchdowns from 24, possibly 26 to 27 touchdowns, all because of the new uh, the new coach, Adam Gase. Um, he helped former Broncos and Bears offensive coordinator. He was a former Broncos and Bears offensive coordinator. Um, of course, everybody knows he helped uh, revitalize Jay Cutler's career. And he worked magic with Peyton Manning and that offense in the Broncos a couple years ago. Um, so the optimism through the fan base and fantasy football, uh, fantasy footballers everywhere, uh, should breathe a little bit easier. Tannehill has a chance to break out this year. Yeah, I just want to mention, people forget that uh, the year before last, he was a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I remember hearing arguments last year. This is going to sound absolutely ridiculous now. Um, whether people should draft Ryan Tannehill or Cam Newton. Um, Whoa. Because... Ryan Tannehill had gotten better every single year for his first three years. Uh, he was a top 10 quarterback the year before last. And then last year, he was just awful. Um, they <laughs> they couldn't seem to find a rhythm down in Miami. They were trying to run the ball way too much. They weren't doing what they needed to do as far as an offense. Um, yeah. Hopefully, Adam Gase can correct some of those issues. I do see him being a serviceable kind of, you know middle quarterback to you know that yeah 18 yeah, range you know somebody that'll yeah, be I mean, okay yeah our consensus has him currently at 21 between us four um i have him at 18th among quarterbacks um you know he's, he's going around people like you know alex smith jay cutler brock osweiler um so yeah Tannehill's gonna be you know he's gonna be serviceable i think he's a great bye week fill-in um when your bye week comes up uh, it's definitely somebody to look for um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about Brady. Tannehill could have a really good start to the season um, with the absence of Tom Brady. Um, you could you could pick up somebody that, hey, he might get hot and outperform a not lot of quarterbacks. One, we don't yeah, don't not, use it for week, week one. one. Yeah. Maybe week three when they have, they host the Cleveland Browns at home. Home with quotations. Home with quotations. Very interesting thing for all you guys that, you know, it's just fantasy football – um, down here in Miami, they're renovating uh, what was formerly called Sun Life Stadium and is now just called the New Miami Stadium. Um, they don't know if it's going to be ready for the start of the season, so they purposely set up the schedule to be first two weeks. Um, to fuck us is what first, they <laughs> They set up the first two weeks to be away games, but now they're saying they're trying to figure out if they can get a venue for the third week of the season because they're not sure that stadium is going to be ready. So... 
just in case you guys wonder why I'm so low on the Dolphins, just think of uh, think of what they do to their organization. <laughs> <laughs> Only the Dolphins, what, man. What about the running backs? Well, the running backs, we have uh, Jay Ajayi and the newly signed Arian Foster. Uh, up until about a week ago, it was pretty much looking to be the Jay Ajayi show. How long ago? About a week ago. Week ago. Yep, sound drop there. Uh, <laughs> but it was it, it was looking to be the Jay Ajayi show. I mean, he, he didn't get a whole lot of work last year, of course, because Lamar Miller was there. When he was playing, though, he was pretty mediocre. He averaged less than four yards per carry. He caught a few passes, but that's really not going to be his game, especially with Arian Foster coming in. I had to move Jay Ajayi down pretty significantly. I see him more as a mid-range RB3 uh, same thing with Arian Foster. If I had to pick between the two, I'd much rather have Arian Foster on my bench because of the possibility. Ooh, really? of what uh, I, I would rather have Arian Foster on my bench. Absolutely. I'm not. I'm not looking to start either of them unless you know. You know, they they show breakout performance. I'm not going to start Ajayi when Arian Foster is there taking the passing down work, and I'm not going to start. That's a Stugatzian hot take right there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should bring him on the show. <laughs> Um, um, just hey man, we're gonna let you go on for ten minutes. Nothing but hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and and I'm not gonna be looking to start Foster when I have Jay Ajayi, who's gonna be running the ball more. Now, if anything happens to one or the other, then of course the other stock is is gonna rise significantly. But if I had to pick between the two, I'd rather have Foster because of the uh, possibility of him breaking out and having an amazing year like he's had before. But do I yeah, think it's yeah. gonna happen? No, I don't. You're betting on the upside. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, I am. I, um, I'm going to give you the reasons. Um, Kenyon Drake has been a disappointment in the offseason, the third-round rookie that they drafted to be the third round, the third down back complement to J.J. Uh, for me, the whole reason that they brought in Arian Foster, right, is to spell J.J. and to be the third down back. He, uh, Arian Foster is a great pass catcher. He is an amazing pass blocker and all the th- comments that he was making to reporters uh, once he was signed with the Dolphins is talking about him playing in that role. So that is exactly what I expect to see Foster do is a lot of third down work. I still don't like Ajayi. I don't think Ajayi is a talented guy. But if you're telling me who do I think is going to be the guy that's going to get the most carries in Miami in 2016, I, I still am going to place my betting chips on Jay Ajayi. Yeah. Who's, I mean, who- speaking of the... Speaking of the running backs and quarterbacks, really quick, uh, don't forget the Dolphins selected uh, two years in a row the first round picks, both offensive linemen. So they're they're trying. <laughs> yep. So who do you have finishing higher, Jai or Foster? Still Jai. By quite a bit, I think he'll sco- he'll outscore him by quite a bit. I I don't I don't see Foster ever returning to his former glory. I agree with the Jai finishing higher than Foster, but uh, the, the possibility, man, it's just exciting. Even if Foster's half the man he was, he's still better than Jai. Oof. Okay. He is pretty that's, much half the man. That's insulting. <clears throat> okay, you guys are being jerks right now to all the players we mentioned. <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk some of the wide receivers. Um, let's start with Jarvis Landry. Uh, the guy's not getting any love after seeing the most catches of any player in their first two seasons ever. Uh, Jarvis Landry had 110 catches for 1157 yards and four touchdowns last year. He had 167 targets. 
targets, which was the sixth most in the NFL last year, right? So he finished last year 15th in standard, 9th in PPR, but his ADP right now is 22nd in standard and 17th in PPR. Last year, he was the 11th most consistent wide receiver. So he had zero... uh, This is coming from um, ESPN's consistency ratings or rankings. Um, He had zero sits. So he's never completely horrible crapping your team, um, but he only had one stud week. So keep in mind, this is a guy that, again, high floor, low ceiling type of wide receiver, but a lot of people seem to be putting their chips in the other side of the field with Devontae Parker... Um, can you guys tell me which side of that bet you're landing on? Are you putting your chips on the Landry side or the Parker side? Landry all day. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Landry too. He just He's going to get the work. Do you think there's any value to Parker? Do you think he's being overrated right now? I think there's a lot of hype. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I'm taking I'm taking from what I've seen and not from what I'm reading. And what I've seen is... Landry's going to be the guy to rack up the points in that in that offense. Here's the one argument that I will give for Parker. Adam Gase likes that big outside wide receiver like Demarius Thomas, like Alshon Jeffrey. He likes to feed targets to that role. So, in this offense, that's not exactly Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is more of a you know slot sometimes, sometimes on the outside. He, he can do a lot of things. Um, but if we're talking about a big outside body... That's Parker. Parker's... Or, or you could or you could say maybe Adam Gase feeds his most talented receiver. Right. And in this case it's gonna be Jarvis Landry. Um We'll see. We'll see. I think it's definitely something to keep an eye out throughout training camp. I do think Landry's targets will regress a bit, but I still think he's gonna be ninety something catches, over a thousand yards. Maybe his touchdown numbers might actually come up a little bit because he's been seriously lacking in that role um, in his first two NFL seasons. Um, so if he gets 90 catches for, you know, 1,000 or 1,100 yards and maybe five or six touchdowns, he's still pretty close to his production last year. So I think he's still very worth that pick at the 22 overall wide receiver right now. So you're going to see him breaking 100 catches again? Uh, he'll be close, so very close. I think 90, 95 catches um, is about where I would project him right now. All right, I guess that wraps it up uh, for the AFC East uh, today. Um, up next, we have an interview that you guys did with Russell Baxter. Um, it's a great interview, some really cool information. Um, check it out. Stay tuned. All right, so on the show with us now is Russell Baxter. Russell is a writer and editor for NFL Spin Zone. He worked for CBS and ESPN. He's also the founder of Pro Football Guru. Uh, You can check out his site at profootballguru.com. You can also find him on Twitter at BaxFootballGuru. Thanks for joining us tonight. Russell, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, uh, We're uh, getting training camps opened up, and we're a couple weeks away from the Pro Football Hall of Fame inductions, one of my favorite times of the year. And then in the blink of an eye, you're going to be talking to me in week eight. It's so close, man. I can smell it. I can taste it. <laughs> uh, I, wait, what are you eating? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get. It's going to go by so quick. I was going to say, I, I don't know not, what you're eating and smelling, but right I you. mean, to each his own. Yeah, it, well, it's it smells sweaty, <laughs> but it's it's fine. 
<laughs> it's very salty. <laughs> oh, come on, Richard. So, um, all right, Richard. No, you... Anyway, Russell, you've been, you've been doing this for a, a long time. Yeah. You've been doing this for a long time. Is there anything, anybody that you haven't worked with in the industry or anything you haven't done in the football world? Because it looks like you've done everything. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I started out writing about almost 30 years ago. Um, with uh, College and Pro Football Newsweekly. I did local papers as well before that. Um, for people who know people in this industry, um, and I'm willing to bet you guys are enormous sports fans, I was hired in New York by a guy named Howie Schwab um, in 1987, uh, who, of course, went on to ESPN and stumped the Schwab thing. the Schwab. Still that's, very, that's very close me. friend. <laughs> I remember um, that show. Yes, yes, and people didn't fare too well, because if you know Howie, Howie knows all. So, um, you know, eventually went up to ESPN, was there for a long time, and now I've been settling back in my writing. I, you know, just wrapped up a, a four-year uh, stint with Bleacher Report. I uh, did CBS uh, Thursday Night Football on the Road last year. Um, you know, I've had a blast doing this. I mean, it's I mean, somehow I fooled everybody and turned this into a 30-plus year career without a college education. <laughs> that's pretty great that's um a well, lot somebody of had to watch the games while everybody else was in class come on yeah i mean i've been saying it for years um i feel like i wasted <laughs> time going to school it's uh for a lot of people kind of unnecessary but um let's actually talk well, about... I, everybody honestly everybody kind of you know it's funny you said that because i remember talking to somebody once and i thought i was the odd guy you know, how everybody else is, a lot of people are in this industry with college educations and so on. And, and as it was explained to me very, very well, everybody has their own path. And I just so happened to be a guy who was crazy about football, and I somehow took a hobby and turned it into a career. And, you know, from Chris Berman to Tom Jackson to Bill Parcells to Sterling Sharp to Jim Kelly to Joe Theismann to James Brown to Deion Sanders to Bill Cower, um, you know, how lucky am I? I, I often I often say about myself I'm on the uh, current longest winning streak in life. That's awesome. That's a great way to put it. Um, okay, so let's actually talk a little bit of football, um, not just fantasy, but football in general. Uh, you, you tweeted out earlier that there's eight teams in the last eight seasons that haven't won a division title. The Bills, the Jets, the Browns, the Jags, the Raiders, the Lions, Buccaneers, and Rams. Uh, which of those teams do you think has the best chance to possibly win one this year? Oh, boy. I, I, yeah, it's funny because I think a lot of people will kind of jump on um, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars because of what they did last year, making strides on offense, and then all the defensive guys they got in. And, of course, Houston won the division last year, as you know, with a 9-7 and record. Uh, I'm not ready to make that leap yet. Let's not forget the Jaguars have won 19 games total the past five years, which is two more than Carolina won last year, including the playoffs. So just to put that in perspective. Um, You know, unseating the Patriots is very, very tough, and I don't know what the Jets quarterback situation is, and guess what? I don't think they do either. But they have assembled a pretty good team around there. Um, And listen, the Patriots have won the division seven years in a row. They, um, you know, that ties the record set by the Rams from 73 to 79. I'm not saying they're not going to win it again. They look awful good on defense. 
Um, and I know Tom Brady is not going to be around as, as for now for the first four games, but um, they didn't suspend Bill Belichick. Let's put it that way. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if any of these guys, these teams can actually end that streak. I think it's going to be very, very tough. We have to, you know, for as much parity we have in terms of winning the Super Bowl and all the different teams and so on, um, you know, Green Bay just won, Green Bay won the division four years in a row and just got unseated by Minnesota. Okay, right. New England's won their division seven years in a row. Denver's won their division five years in a row. So we have a, a, a bunch of these teams. I, I, I don't think people realize Houston has won the division three of the last five years with the Colts. You know, sneaking a couple in between. So listen, by the way, Carolina's won the division three years in a row. The, the division that always seems to be up for grabs is the NFC East. Um, and, you know, that seems like it has somebody different every year. I think it's repeated in over a decade. So I don't know if any of these teams that we, we mentioned here are in position uh, to win a division title. I think some of them would be happy just to get back in the playoffs. I mean, you got, um, you know, the Bills haven't been there since 99. The Raiders and Browns haven't been there since 2002. The Rams um, now in the, back in the old digs in Los Angeles. They haven't been in the playoffs since 2004. I think people would settle for that. Um, much less a division title, and that you know, as we see, wild cards do win Super Bowls. How, how odd is it? Think about this. Up until last year, the, the Packers had won the division four years in a row. Minnesota won it last year. The last time they didn't win the division before last year, they were too busy winning the Super Bowls a wild card. Right. It happens pretty often. So. Okay. Um... Yeah, I think I'm kind of in that same boat. I, I really don't think any of these teams will buck that trend this year. For me, if I had to pick any of them to even have a shot, it, it might be the Raiders finally after 13 years you know, of missing out. Maybe they make the playoffs, but I don't necessarily like any of them this year. Um, well, you know, when you look at the AFC West, which... You know, Denver's won it five years in a row, but obviously they've lost a lot of people. Uh, you know, two quarterbacks, three French hens, four you know, four turtle doves, whatever. <laughs> um, they, uh, you know, they still have the semblance of a pretty good defense. But Kansas City, you know, it's one thing if you're a team and you're chasing another team. It's then if you're San Diego and Oakland, you're chasing two teams. Right. Um, and listen, they made the Raiders made strides last year. Let's not forget the Raiders won a game in Denver last year. Okay, so Kansas City also won in Denver last year as well. But, I mean, the Chiefs with that winning streak at the end of the year, they finally won a playoff game for the first time uh, since 1993. Uh, I think they're feeling their oats. And um, the West is going to be very, very good. You know, San Diego could be decent, um, and yet not, you know, I don't think they'll be 4-12, and 12, but they could be a 6-10 and 10 team and be better than most teams think. Okay, so... I want to transition a little bit. We're Miami guys here, um, so we follow the Dolphins closely, albeit it's it's a very sad life being a Dolphins fan. Um, very hard <laughs> to follow, man. <laughs> what, what does the Dolphins offense look like, you to, uh, look like this year for you? Um, do you think Adam Gase is going to be able to maybe be a quarterback whisperer for Tannehill, or is that just much ado about nothing that people are talking about? Well, no. Listen, the proof is in the pudding. Adam Gase um, did wonders with Jay Cutler last year. Now, you look at Jay Cutler's statistics from one year to the next, and you're like, well, you know, it's not that dramatic of a change. I mean, he did commit fewer turnovers. 
But the thing that Adam Gase, I felt, changed about Jay Cutler last year was him as a leader. And, you know, Jay Cutler has gotten that bad rap uh, ever since the NFC title game in 2010 when he didn't come back in. And, by the way, I was amazed. I, I never realized how many doctors were on Twitter and Facebook that day. Um, it, it was at any time I had, you know, by the next time I tore my, tear my ACL, I'm just going to go to Twitter because there were so many experts. <laughs> um, who could tell from the television how, how hurt he was. Um, but last year, they come back and beat the Raiders. They win at Kansas City. They win at Green Bay. The Bears were 0-3 last year, outscored 105-46. to They went 6-7 and the rest of the year, lost six of those games by seven points or less. A lot of that was Cutler um, winning the game from behind in San Diego as well. And that's not something you usually associate with Jay Cutler, and I'll be curious. And I think the Bears will be much improved again this year. They did a lot of good things on defense. Now Adam Gase brings that to Tannehill, who, let's not forget, up until last year, he had raised his numbers every year. Okay? Last year, he settled back down. His completion percentage dipped down a little as well. That's, you know, that's a telltale sign. Um, I think Adam Gase now. They just signed Arian Foster. Um, they're going to need more support from the running game. I don't understand why they didn't run Lamar Miller as much as they uh, should have last year. And the happiest people in the world are the Houston Texans because they get a four-year pro who's 25 years old and still has a lot of tread on the tire. Um, that being said, Miami's defense could be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I don't expect Mario Williams to get five sacks in one season again. I could see Mario Williams getting five sacks the first month of the season. Uh, you got Sue, you got Wake. Um, uh, they could be a very intriguing team. Now, the problem we've had with the Dolphins, I don't have to remind you guys that, but I will because you asked, um, is they've shown some promise at times and then kind of fade the first, you know, the last three or four games of the season. There are a couple years that we thought they'd be in the playoffs. Um, but again, they haven't, they haven't had a winning season since 2008. They were the last team to win the AFC East besides New England. Um, this is going to be a very, very competitive division as well. Um, and they're just going to have to do the best. You know, it's funny. They, 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 they seem to have New England's number when New England comes down to Miami, regardless, regardless of when it is. Um, but, you know, against some of the other divisional foes, they haven't been as formidable. So, um, Mike, Miami to me is very intriguing. If Arian Foster can bounce back like he did the last two times he's got hurt, um, he helps him in a lot of ways because he's also an excellent pass catcher, by the way. Um, and will throw a pass every once in a while as well. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, it's going to be – they're, they're a kind of a mystery team. The one thing I don't like about with the Dolphins, and maybe they stop doing it, is they seem to be in this rut of continually changing personnel. Now, I know they've also changed head coaches. But, you know, much like the Philadelphia Eagles, it just seems like there's a laundry list of signings or trades every year. Uh, Kiko Alonso, Byron Maxwell, Mario Williams. They, they've got talent there. I'm going to be real intrigued to see if it can blend together. And they obviously get a real big acid test to begin with. Uh, week one against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm of the opinion. I don't know if it's just because I've been in Miami so long that I'm jaded that they're just going to get blown out week one. Uh, I feel it coming. Um, I'm not. Let me, guess, let me guess. You also thought 
Golden State was going to win the title up 3-1, right? Um, well, maybe up 3-1, yeah, but I, I was saying all year long that I didn't I didn't know if they had the the uh, fortitude to carry it on through the playoffs, and nobody believed me. <laughs> um, but oh, you were the one. I, okay. Hey, Richard can attest to that, yeah, that I said that. <laughs> he did, he did. He, he was on it from the beginning. From, from hey, guys, you, season, didn't expect, you, didn't, you, guys, you guys didn't expect this to be a standard interview, did you? No, no. Hey, not at all. <laughs> not with you, man. Um, honestly, I'm a little thrown off. <laughs> thrown off my game. It's like uh, just talking to one of the guys on our own podcast. Um, so, yeah, the Dolphins suck. Golden State's good. LeBron's good. We get it, man. <laughs> uh, when it comes to... Listen, no, in all seriousness, every year we see somebody that surprises us. Okay, and um, you know this is a league because of free agency. Again, we still have a lot of the same teams in the playoffs year after. I mean, Green Bay and New England have been in there seven years in a row, two of the longest streaks in NFL history. Um, what's the, Cincinnati's been in five years in a row, Denver five years in a row, Seattle four years in a row. So we see a lot of that, but that doesn't mean that someone doesn't come and sneak in. And in a league now where not a lot of teams have depth. Okay, one or two things can, can, can upset. Look what happened to the Baltimore Ravens last year. You know, they weren't that far. They blew two 14-point leads at New England in the playoffs the year before, and last year they lost 11 games. Right. Okay, so I I do want to ask a couple of things that, you know, maybe a little bit more fantasy-wise. We are a fantasy football podcast. Um, okay. So when it comes to strength of schedule and what people might deem to be, you know, based on last year's strength of schedule, how much do you consider that when you're looking at players in the preseason? No, not at all. I not think all. I think strength of schedule in the National Football League is what most overanalyzed. Um, it, 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 it's not college football, right. okay? Um, you know, things happen from week to week. Uh, when I hear the toughest schedule in the NFL or the easiest schedule in the NFL, I mean, it, it doesn't play. When I, if you're talking about fantasy and you're talking about matchups and you're talking about schedule, the thing I look at, and by the way, I will say this. One of the things I do look at with a schedule is three straight road games or three straight home games. Okay. Okay? That's the kind of stuff. Or four straight divisional games. That's the kind of stuff you look at. So... As far as fantasy goes, I look at matchups, okay? And you look at the histories of certain players against certain teams. And those aren't coincidence, okay? So, you know, when you see numbers, Aaron Rodgers' big numbers against the Vikings. You know, that's a perfect example. It's not going to happen anymore because Jared Allen retired. But if say you had Aaron Rodgers playing the Vikings. Well, you couldn't go wrong with Aaron Rodgers or Jared Allen. Say you had Jared Allen in a, you know, defensive league, Okay. Because Jared Allen sacked Aaron Rodgers 16 and a half times right. in the times that they played together. But on the other hand, Aaron Rodgers threw something like 20-plus touchdown passes and four picks. So play them both. So that's what you got to look at. you got to, you know, it's a little harder now with players who, moving around and so on. But, you know, look at the matchups um, and not – the, the strength of schedule because things change so dramatic. I mean, it's 
someone brought up this point, and it's a great point. Um, you know, back in 2008, if you're looking at the strength of schedules in the AFC East, do you think Miami, Buffalo, and New York Jets may have all had the toughest schedules? And I don't even know if that's true, but I know this. They figure it from last year's, previous year's win-loss record. Right. And you're getting 32 wins and zero losses from the New England Patriots because they were undefeated. Correct. Okay, so in 2009, do you think the, the Packers, the Bears, and Vikings had easy schedules because they were playing the 0-16 Lions twice? Right. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I don't go too much on strength of schedule. They, they, you know, they're not scheduling South Florida, Texas, Texas, and Alabama, okay? Right. True. Um for me, the only the only reason that yeah, I look far, at schedules in the preseason, as, as far as strength of schedule, yeah. Go ahead. No, right, I was going to say as far as strength of schedule goes. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. My connection's a little choppy right now, but as far as strength of schedule goes, I really would look at the matchups more than the the actual schedule itself. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if I have a good matchup with a specific player. Boom! I'm gonna go with that matchup uh, as opposed to the overall strength of a schedule. Right, right, and that's what I mean. You make you listen. You make your bones in these individual games because you have more body work to go on. Okay, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady against the Bills is you know. So listen, sometimes guys have good win loss records, but they don't necessarily have great fantasy numbers. Okay. Okay. So that's something you have to keep on. Well, you might say, oh, you know, he's 11-0 um, against uh, the San Diego Chargers or whatever. You know, um, Peyton Manning had won, beaten the Chiefs seven games in a row, but his numbers weren't overpowering. It's not somebody who would necessarily play in fantasy. So the matchups are cheap, but it's also the performance as well, because sometimes – uh, you might have to look at their running game. You might want to play an offensive line if you have that. I've, I've played in leagues where there's offensive lines. Oh, that's um, are you serious? So what on. kind of league? I'm not in those kind of leagues, man. I'm not there. <laughs> oh, well, I'm serious. There's a, there's a league I've played in where you can draft offensive lines. Oh, so, that's, that's too advanced for And you get certain me, points for not giving up sacks or getting 150 yards rushing, et cetera, et cetera, okay? Interesting. So what, what, that's what I'm saying. You, you want to... You not only look at the matchup, you look at how the game develops. I mean, a perfect example. When you're New England versus Indianapolis the last couple of years, Tom Brady and the Patriots have owned them. But if they owned them because of Tom Brady or if they owned them because of LeGarrette Blunt. True. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. definitely something New England does is they, they're known for being able to scheme – to their opponents very well. So. Right, but when they play when they play the Colts, they're running the ball during the national anthem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Cool. Um, Russ, give me give me one guy, one name this year, somebody from fantasy, any player that should be mentioned more that that isn't right now. I think it's Tyrod Taylor with the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Um, you look at what he did last year. Low on turnovers, 20 touchdown passes, second on the team in rushing. Um, missed two games. So I think, and it was really his first year as a starter after being with the Baltimore Ravens and, and really barely ever playing because Joe Flacco didn't miss games. I mean, he never started a game when he was with the Baltimore Ravens. 
So, to me, Tyrod Taylor gets another year in that offense. I know Sammy Watkins is a little banged up right now, um, but uh, with LaShawn McCoy, some of the backfield pieces uh, need some tweaking as well, um, and that may precipitate him being even more of a threat on the ground. He's still a young guy. Uh, he's in a year where the final year of his contract, they signed him two years ago. Remember what a surprise it was. Wasn't last year's Buffalo Bills quarterback duel supposed between Matt Castle and E.J. Manuel? Right, so exactly. Who won? Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. So, <laughs> but, I mean, you get 20 touchdown passes, you get rushing. I like the comment. To me, Aaron Rodgers was always a good fantasy player, obviously because of the touchdown passes, but he would also get you some yards on the ground as well, and that's why you would take somebody high like him. Aaron Rodgers wouldn't necessarily, and Aaron Rodgers was a great knowing when to run guy, so you would get some touchdowns on the ground more than you would figure, but then, you know, you think about all the, Aaron Rodgers the last eight years has averaged 32 touchdown passes a year. Averaged. That's nice. That's, that's some pretty good production. So when it comes to Tyrod specifically, our, our co-host Dale loves the guy. Um, extremely efficient uh, in terms of fantasy points per attempt. Um, do you think there's any chance that Rex Ryan will let the offense open up just a little bit more and not be tr- you know dead last in the league as far as pass attempts? Um, I think it's possible because they'll get a little more of a free reign. I mean, last year they spent the summer trying to figure out who the quarterback was going to be. Um, and remember, like I said, they haven't re- you know, redone his deal for the final year. He's in essence playing in a contract year. They drafted Cardale Jones. It doesn't seem like he's in any threat of being a starter. So, you know, the Bills have been kind of searching for a quarterback, you know, for more than a decade. Um, consistently, I like Tyrod Taylor. I like what he brought to the table last year. Um, so, yes, I think they could. Uh, you know, one guy who was a little hot and cold at times last year was Charles Clay, but I think he becomes a bigger factor yep. um, this year. You know, the, the, the Bills signed some players, but the thing they did that was most important was retaining Cordy Glenn and Richie Incognito on the left side of the offensive line. They led the league in rushing. They averaged 152 yards per game on the ground. Um, and Tyrod Taylor is simply going to have the ball in his hands an awful lot. Yeah, and he's, he's going to rush the ball more than 100 times again. He's one of those dual-threat quarterbacks. Um, in, my, in my drafts, kind of similar like you alluded to earlier, I love taking those guys that are going to add some extra production on the ground. And... He's a better passer than people give him credit for, so I I love the pick there. Um, I do want to maybe close it out and maybe not stick to football the whole time. Um, you seem to be a pretty big TV and movie guy, so we got one question for you to, to maybe wrap okay. it up. If you were stuck watching one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Boy, I could get myself in trouble with that answer. Um, <laughs> Go, you could. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what it is, and this is a family tradition movie. Right. Okay. Um, I come from a big family, and the oldest of nine children. Um, you're old enough to, you know, we would pack the car and go to the drive-in to see certain movies and stuff. Um, but the unofficial Baxter family movie is a film called "It's a Mad, 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 Mad World." It's, a mad um, it's uh, made in 1963. 
arguably the greatest comedy ever. I don't know if you guys know it. Um, it was actually I've made by it. a director. Well, let, let me give you an idea who's in it. Sid Caesar, Milton Burrow, Jonathan Winters, um, Ethel Merman, um, cameos by Jerry Lewis, Jack Benny, the Three Suits. I mean, it is, and it's got some of the greatest car chases you will ever seen. It's hysterical. Um, you know, a lot of comedians who are buddy hack, a lot of them have passed away, Mickey Rooney, um, you know, a lot of them are, are gone now and so on. I highly recommend, it's, if I had to watch something over and over again, i got to go with the Baxter family movie, and I'm hoping my brothers and sisters will be with me. That's awesome. Um, I got, I've, I've never, unlike my co-host here, I've never even heard of it, but I'm going to go try to find it right now once we, once we get off the call. Um, Russ, where can our Amazon listeners Prime, find you? Day delivery, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Russ, where can our listeners find you? Um, let them know some of the, the content you're putting out there um, and where they can reach you at. Well, your best bet is to follow me on Twitter. I'm BaxFootballGuru because if you follow me on Twitter, anything I write is going to get tweeted to you. Um, you know, the majority of my work right now is on NFL Spin Zone where I'm writing and editing. Um, in the middle of one of my series, I love to do team series. I'd like to write about all 32 teams. Um, you know, but we also have a slew of about 40 writers who are doing great work on there. It's, you know, it's part of the SI.com timing family now. Um, Again, if you're a football fan and you like numbers, um, again, I recommend my Twitter account. Uh, you know, we do a lot of historic numbers. We do numbers in general. Um, you can also find Pro Football Guru on Instagram. You can find Pro Football Guru on Facebook. Um, we're working on Pro Football Guru, the cereal, and possibly <laughs> the detergent. You can find it in your fridge. In your tub, yeah, pretty much anywhere. I mean, if you go on my website, if you go on my website, you'll see ProFootballGuru.com t-shirts, which okay. sell for a total of twenty dollars, including shipping and handling, and twenty uh, percent of the fifteen dollars for the cost of the shirt goes to the American Cancer Society. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I love it. So I'm actually right, going to tweet that uh, out uh, that once we get off awesome air. So little we can piece. Uh, yeah, and I will accept your order for 30 shirts. Thank show. you very much. He's a funny guy. <laughs> yeah. 30? Yeah, Why yeah, only 30, good. man? Good. I enjoyed listening to it. I, I couldn't make it. Uh, I don't, listen, I, 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 I don't know how many friends you have. So, you, guys, so. you guys did a great job. Awesome, Russ. Hey, we really appreciate you A couple quick things just wrap up the show. One, I just want everybody to know, thank you for listening and tuning in and subscribing and reviewing us and giving us five stars on iTunes. Uh, we appreciate it. Right, it um, you know, other people see it. I can't find the hang-up uh, button, man. They also join in. Um, the other thing is, you know, we're a homegrown podcast. Uh, we love fantasy football. We love what we're doing. Um, so in the background, if you hear dogs barking from Armando, doorbells ringing from Christian, um, you know, Eminem chewing from Richard, whatever it is. Um, it's all just of those real things stuff. are me, actually. That was every all single, burrito. Every single try, one of those things I'm trying is to me. spread it out. I'm trying to spread it out. <laughs> and, 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 and especially in this episode. Inbox messages on Twitter. <laughs> especially in this episode when my wife and my mother-in-law are, I think they're remodeling the bathroom, it sounds like, um, <laughs> from, from where I'm recording right now. Uh, you mean those I construction workers I could hear? That's what it is? I, I text my wife because I heard some loud banging, and of course, I'm sure it got picked up on the mics. I said, are you okay? She goes, yeah, my mom is working in the bathroom. And then I asked her to speak a little softer because I can hear her talking. 
And she just responded, "Fuck you, Dale." And Dale, Dale. <laughs> can we can, can we bring so. her on the podcast? Uh, she, she's no, she would ruin drop. everything. She's gonna be the new drop for when you have your name introduced. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I, I sent her a little kissy face, but she hasn't responded. So. Oh man. Um. Anyways. Uh. Again. Uh. Feel free to subscribe if you haven't subscribed to our uh, iTunes. Um. Pod. I guess podcast. I don't know what you. Right. Subscribe to our feed, I guess is what you would say, um, and review us and all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter at EatSleepFF. You guys got anything else? Oh, that's about it. That's it. Thank you for joining awesome, us. Guys. Buenas noches. Thanks for listening. And we like to play till the sun go down. Yeah, we like to play till the sun go down. Then we take that town. Then we take that town.